You are now listening to the Charity Church Podcast. I absolutely love this church. I really do. And most of y'all. I'm kidding. I love all of you. All of you exactly the same. We're all one big happy family, right? And, uh, right? You don't like me either, do you? We got to talk. Meet me after the service in the VIP room. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, what's that? Say it louder for those in the back. Oh, thank you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And listen, I absolutely do love this church. And, and as I was thinking through uh, this series, I was thinking about just, the, well, of course, today being our 31st anniversary um, of, of a church, I was thinking about the history of this church. And uh, in case you don't know, in 1991, in a little building over on Ridge Avenue, a little metal building, about 200 people formed the charter membership of Charity Baptist Church. And I'd just be curious, uh, just by a show of hand, if you're one of those charter members, would you just raise your hand up? I know we got some in here today. Um, thank you so much. Can we give them a hand for laying a great foundation here? I was under the leadership and the vision of, of Pastor R.J. Hammond, who just did a fantastic job of beginning uh, a church that really believed this right here. Everybody is somebody and Jesus is Lord. This was the slogan that was painted on the side of the church van. It was all around the church. It was on business cards. It was everywhere where everybody is somebody and Jesus is Lord. And that little group of 200 people strongly believe that. And they were the most welcoming group of people in those early days. Uh, even when I came in 2004, I just remember I showed up here on a Wednesday uh, to talk to the youth because I was coming as the youth pastor at the time. And I remember going in what we know now as the porch was the old church auditorium that was built in 1994. Uh, but that time it had turned into the the youth gathering place, it was like a wedding chapel and just whatever else it needed to be in a smaller version of this in the auditorium. And I remember coming in on a Wednesday night and I was sitting there talking to the students and I was telling them about how I cut my finger off. And uh, some of those kids that were in that youth group that day, that's all they remembered about that night is that I had cut my finger off. They didn't remember anything else, um, but it got me elected. So whatever it takes, right? Um, but anyway, gathering there, and I remember looking in the back, and there was this guy, and I don't know if he's in here right now, but this guy had, had a mohawk, and he had pink hair. His name was Jeff White. Is Jeff in here anywhere? Oh, he's working security. So if you got, he don't do that anymore. Oh, there he is right there, Jeff. And Jeff became like the, he was the greatest youth leader that I ever had, I think, in all of those years. He was so committed to kid ministry, but he just kind of looked a little different at the time. He had these earrings hanging out of his ear that looked like fishing lures, and um, he just had fun-loving guy. You just got to know Jeff. But anyway, it was like, wow, my church back home that I just came from would have never allowed that guy to serve in student ministry. As a matter of fact, they had to call it security, security, get this guy and get him out of here. But this was the way this church started. Everybody is somebody and Jesus is Lord. And my prayer is that we've never gotten away from this. 
that we do believe that everybody is somebody and Jesus is Lord. And so in 1994, this other building was built. They rapidly outgrew that building. They were, they were having multiple services, people sitting on stairs all the way up into the, into the balcony and everything else. Sean was a part of those early days. Saul was a part of those early days. Well, he didn't come right then, did he? He came after this. But anyway, Sean was a part of that, of that enormous growth uh, during that time. And then in 2002, this building was built and moved over here. And I came along in 2004. We gutted the old church auditorium, which was sacrilegious to many people at the time, but we gutted it out and made it into the porch now so we could gather there for kids ministry, student ministry, and any other things like married people night out coming up this Friday. Um, All of those things. But God has always been faithful to this church. I've been here 18 years now. We've got three staff members that have all been here over 15 years. Um, Angie, you've been here eight years, and just Angie Culbertson's been here a number of years as well, and and everybody, it's just a lot of longevity on our staff. Some of our staff members actually grew up in this church. They've actually grown up in this church and now have come on to staff here, and so there's just a rich, rich history of faithfulness here at Charity, and I absolutely love this. As a matter of fact, Tracy and I joined this church or decided to come to this church to be on staff without ever having visited a Sunday morning service. And that was back before the internet. So there was no online presence. As a matter of fact, we just listened to a cassette tape and heard the enormous choir that the church had back then, the fantastic preaching, everything. And it was just like, we were just drawn here. So when I say, I love charity, when we title this, I love charity, I love charity. I love this church. And I love the fact that everybody is somebody and Jesus is Lord. But over the years, we've kind of changed that mission statement. And now it looks like this. It's where our mission is to lead people to know Christ and grow in their relationship with him. And so as we've, as we've grown, I've seen so many things happen here. We've gone through some financial stresses. We've gone through um, just some church disunity right? There was a little bit of that in a few days, in about a year or so, or several years ago, but for a period of time. But I have seen God's faithfulness to this church, that it is his church that he loves, that he planted here in order to impact and influence this community with the gospel. And it's because of you that this mission continues to grow. But what I do know is this, that our mission is not complete. We still have lots of work to do. There are still people this morning who are not a part of any church anywhere. Matter of fact, we could fill up every single church building in Cabarrus and Rowan counties and still not have everybody committed or engaged in a local church. There's plenty of work to be done, and our mission is not complete. And we continue to be about leading people to know Christ and to grow in their relationship with him. But over the next five weeks, we're gonna be going through this series called I Love Charity, and our goal, and I'll just tell you up front, my goal and our goal as a staff is to get you more engaged. Some of you are saying, I couldn't get more engaged, and we appreciate and we applaud you and we thank you. We don't want you to outrun yourself, okay? We want you to be a healthy engagement, but we want as many people as we possibly can to be engaged in the life and the mission of this local church, or if you're visiting today, in your local church. This is, as Tom said, this isn't just about charity. It's about the whole church. So our question will be this. How can you become more engaged in fulfilling the mission of the church? 
How can you be more and more engaged in fulfilling the mission of the church? And as we go back and we look at the early church in Acts chapter 2, I just want to share a couple of verses from Acts chapter 2. This was the early church as they got started. Some of the characteristics of that early body of Christ. And here's what Luke wrote about that. He says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. When he says they devoted, they were committed. This was like nothing else came in front of their devotion to the local church. Nothing was more important than that. So Luke looks at this, and he's writing this for us, the history of the, of the early church, the acts of the apostles, the things that were taking place. And he says one characteristic of these early believers is they were devoted to the local church. They were devoted to the teaching, but they were also day by day attending the temple. There were still gatherings in the temple, and they were committed to that. They were attending there, and they were committed and attending the breaking of bread in their homes, and they received their food with gladness and with, or with glad and generous hearts. And he goes on, he says, and they were praising God, and they were having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So here it is, an early, this early church who the only thing they really had to hang their hat on was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And some of these people in the early church around Jerusalem, they had witnessed the beating death, the crucifixion, the burial, and over 500 people had, had been there to witness the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they said, if Jesus Christ can be resurrected from the dead and he's called us to be his followers, we're going to be devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And so they started this church there on the steps south of the Temple Mount and they launched into this church and God was just blessing it enormously. They didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All they had was their stories of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And God was adding to them because they were devoted to him, they were devoted to his teachings, they were devoted to one another, they were praising God, and as a result, they started having favor with all the people in and around Jerusalem. It was like this, there were people who were not a part of this new thing they called the way, the Christianity, it was called the way. They weren't a part of that, but they really liked what they saw. I mean, they loved the way that these people loved each other. They loved the way these people in this early church were loving those who were nothing like them. They absolutely loved the way they raised their children. They loved looking at how devoted their marriages were to one another. They loved how moral they were. And they were like, you know what? We may not believe anything that they believe, but we sure would like to have what they have. I would like to have their marriages. I would like to have kids that are that obedient. I'd like to have their work ethic. I would like to have their commitment to one another and to each other and to people outside of their belief system. People were just saying, we like what they're doing. And so the church had favor with all the people in and around Jerusalem. And as a result, the Lord just kept adding to them, adding to them day by day, those who were being saved, people coming to follow Jesus Christ. And so as we look at that early church, we'll know this, that growing believers, growing believers are fully committed to the, to the disciplines necessary for spiritual maturity. Growing believers are faithfully committed to the disciplines, not the disciples, necessary for spiritual maturity. There are things that growing believers are committed to. 
And in this early church, these are the four things that we just looked at. Teaching of the word of God, fellowshipping with other believers, worshiping together as a corporate body, and engagement in the mission of the church. If you wanna grow in your relationship with Christ, if you wanna really become a fully functioning, mature member of the body of Christ, these are four things that we should all be committed to. Committed to the teaching of the word, sitting under the teaching of the word, being a part of a teaching, um, maybe a small group where they're teaching the word of God, maybe one of our Sunday morning groups, certainly being faithful to, to the Sunday morning, fellowshipping with other believers, getting together with others, worshiping together as a corporate body. There is value in what we do together when we sing together. There's value in it. When, when this worship team rehearses and they practice and they, they pick out songs and they come together and we lift our voices, you may not be able to sing, but there's still value in all of us singing those praises together. And then engagement in the mission of the church. The more you're engaged in the mission of the church, the more you're going to mature in your faith. So that's kind of the early church and the characteristics of the early church. Later on, the book of Hebrews was written. We don't know who the author was necessarily, but it doesn't really matter. It's inspired by God through the Holy Spirit. Somebody wrote this for us and it recorded for us some characteristics of the early church, some things that we should also make characteristics of us. And here's what he said in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. What, what he means by that, we now have confidence to enter the presence of God. And for us, we go, okay, that's no big deal. But for these Hebrew readers that were reading the book of Hebrews to whom it was written, when they were reading that, they were like, wait a minute. The presence of God was only reserved for the priest. We can't enter into the presence of God. But the writer of Hebrews, the whole thing he was doing is he's saying, listen, there is a new and better way. There is a way that you can now enter into the holy place. You can now enter directly into the presence of Jesus Christ. And the way you do that is by the new and the living way. It's no longer through the death of animals. It's through Jesus Christ who died on the cross, who was buried and is now alive and in heaven, so the way you enter into the presence of God is through this new living way, this Jesus Christ now, who sits in heaven, who has made a way for you to enter, to go directly into the presence of God that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. The old temple had this big curtain. It was a huge curtain, several feet tall, and it was thick, very thick curtain, and it separated the outer court from the Holy of Holies. So no one could go in there except for the priest, and he could only go in there under certain conditions. And so this was a holy place that nobody could go into. There was some fear around it because it was entering to the very presence of God. And when Jesus died on the cross, the amazing thing that happened is that curtain that surrounded the Holy of Holies was torn from top to bottom. Not by any man, God himself tore the curtain and saying, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, you can now enter into the presence of God. Amen? You can enter into his presence and be in the very presence of God through the living way that Jesus opened up for us through his flesh. And he says, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, and so now that's what Jesus is for us. He is our great priest 
who allows us to enter into the presence of God. But over the next couple of verses, there's a few things that the writer of Hebrews tells us about the benefit of being a part of a community of believers that Jesus died for. Jesus died for the church. In the book of Ephesians, we learn that the church is going to be the bride of Christ. And so Christ died for the church. And let me just give you a warning. We're gonna go a little long today, okay? Just so you know. So if you need to get out of here at 12, you feel free to leave, grab you another cupcake on the way out. But the rest of us are gonna hang out for a few minutes and get through this message, okay? So here are some things that we read in the book of Hebrews that are some advantages or some benefits that we have from being in a community of believers. And here's what he says. You benefit from community by gaining confidence in your faith. Does anybody ever need confidence in their faith? Absolutely. I need confidence in my faith. There are times when your faith just gets rattled. There are times as you go through things in life when you just go, really, God? Why would you do that to me? Why would you allow that to happen? We just had a team of guys that went up to Kentucky and and just was gutting out some houses that were uh, devastated by the flood. And you go, okay, God, you can control the water. Why would you allow that to happen? Some of the stories that Chris and James were sharing with me out there in the four-year-old earlier, you go, why? So sometimes our faith gets rattled a little bit. And here's what he says in Hebrews. Let us draw near, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of our faith without our heart, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So he's saying, you're gonna benefit from being in the community because your faith is going to be strengthened or you're going to have more confidence in your faith. And some of the ways that that takes place is number one, you draw near with a true heart, a true heart. And what he's talking about here is he's talking about the kind of sincerity that does not allow for hypocrisy. It's like coming into church, raising your hands, how good you are, God. We love you. We live for you. Our lives are surrendered to you. We walk out of the door and we live in hypocrisy. It's like me on the golf course Saturday. I just did this two-week series on the tongue, and we got behind some snail-paced golfers. And it's just me and Jim out there And the whole day I'm complaining about, man, they're so slow. Why does it take you so long to pick a ball up? Why do you take so long to putt? You're not good anyway. Just hit the ball. And so I'm saying all this stuff just to Jim, not to them. Get to the last hole. I say, Jim, why don't I just hit the ball up there on the green beside them and then get up there and just really chew them out for how bad they've been playing and how slow they've been playing. He did. And you know what he said to me? How would those words taste, Marty? And I said, Jim, shut up. I'm kidding. I didn't. Well, maybe I did. Um, But anyway, but he's talking here about when it comes to just living in community, our faith is strengthened because of people like Jim, who keeps me from living in hypocrisy. Somebody that will tell me something like that, that in jest, but it's true. Why do we walk in hypocrisy? Well, the body of Christ should help us not to do that because we draw near with a true heart and we have somebody that will call us out and say, hey, it doesn't look, your Facebook looks like you're committed to God, but your lifestyle doesn't look like you're committed to God. And they call us out on those kinds of things. And then the next thing, not just a true heart, but he also is with full assurance of our faith. Because there are times when our faith gets weak. 
There are times when it's difficult for us to put one foot in front of the other. There are times when it's difficult, and those are the times that we need to be surrounded by believers who have been there, done that, and can strengthen our faith and, and gain more knowledge in our relationship with God. And we may not always understand the why behind why God does something, but we can always trust him no matter what comes our way. Another thing that he talks about is having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. We learn about sin when we come together as believers. We learn how to confess our sin. We do get called out for our sin on occasion. And there's just something about gathering together with other growing believers who are also imperfect, right? Isn't it nice to know that the person sitting beside you is not perfect? And if it's your wife, don't even look at her. But isn't it nice, though, that we, that we just know, hey, none of us have this figured out completely yet. None of us have arrived spiritually. Even me, who is your pastor, I have totally not arrived. I'm probably way far behind many of you in my spiritual development. But we have our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. And so that in and of itself helps us to grow spiritually. And then finally, in this little part about growing our faith, having um, our bodies washed with pure water. Some believe that he's talking, referencing back to this clean from a pure conscience, um, from an evil conscience. And some believe that he's talking about spiritual, real, literal baptism. Either way, that's part of why we do this. This, this, this is a reference to us growing in our relationship with God through our conscience being sprinkled or through us taking steps of spiritual growth. So the first thing that we benefit by gaining or in the community is we gain confidence in our faith. We need one another to grow in our faith. We need each other. The next thing he talks about is you benefit from community through the comfort of hope, faith and hope. Guess what the last one is? It's love. They're all three there. But benefit from community through the comfort of hope. And there are times that we need hope. Here's what he says. Let us hold fast. Let us not let loose. Let us hold on for dear life. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Well, the problem that was going on with these Hebrew believers is they kept wanting to revert back to their Old Testament practices. They wanted to go back to the old covenant. And what the writer of Hebrews kept pushing them forward in is say, listen, there's a new covenant. There's a new covenant in Jesus Christ, and it's in his blood. It's through what he did. Don't revert back to the old. He even says, the old is obsolete. There's a new and better way now that came through Jesus Christ. So these Old Testament or these Hebrew believers were, were really constantly battling not going back to their old way. And so he's saying, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. And I think about Christians, and I've been doing this for a long, long time. I mean, I came out of Bible college in 92 and went straight into full-time ministry. And I've been doing this a long time. And I've seen a lot of people come and go. I've seen a lot of wavering faith. And let me just tell you a couple of examples that I see. As I see people come into the church, I see it happen a lot when they get married. They get married and they're like, let's start our new marriage off the right way. And they get involved in church. Or they are expecting their first child and they want to get involved in a local church, so they join the church. Or a life crisis happens and they so they, they know that that's what mom and dad did or that's what grandma and grandpa did. They were had strong faith when some of the things they went through, so they go to the church. But I've also noticed just the opposite. I also noticed trends where people leave the church and it happens mostly around this, a crisis that takes place 
and they abandon the church, or their life changes in the fact that the kids are grown, and the kids are no longer at home. And so they're now the place that they can buy a beach house, they can buy a mountain house, they can buy them a camper, and they can just be like, you know, a pastor's worst nightmare or one of the worst nightmares is when somebody tells you, hey, we just bought a new camper. Like, see you every other week. Or see you once a month. You know, it's that kind of thing. But, but and then people start, they start to leave the church because they no longer feel the, the need to have a community of believers. And so as they hit those transitions of life, it either causes you to take a step in or take a step out. And so what the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, let's hold fast to our confidence. Let's hold fast to our confession of our faith. And let's realize where our hope is because you're going to go through another crisis. There's going to be another health scare. There's going to be another problem that you're going to encounter. And you're going to need the church. You're going to need the fellowship of the believers to help comfort you in those moments when you may not feel like you have any hope. COVID was another big one where a lot of people stepped out of church and they're having a hard time stepping in church. And the church, I don't know if this is good or bad, Many churches, we ramped up our online presence so that we could have a great quality of, of, for, you, for you to watch at home, but now it's become so good, it's like a whole lot more comfortable to sit in your pajamas and your flip-flops and drink a cup of coffee and watch online. But we're encouraging you, come back, come back. There's room for you. There's still room in the balcony. Y'all are getting a lot up there, though. Anyway, so we hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for the who who promised, he who promised is faithful. And then the final thing, you benefit from community through the expression of love. And here's how the writer says, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and to good works. Let us stir one another up to love and to good works. And that's what we as a church, that's why we are constantly trying to get you to be more engaged in the life of the church because it stirs us up. The more you encounter people, who have no hope and who have many needs, the more your love gets stirred up. If you don't believe me, serve in our food ministry. When you see people who are, who are missing meals or are just challenged in that area of their life and your heart just goes out to them, hey, go on a trip with Chris or James and this group that's doing the, the disaster relief. Go up to Kentucky and see what happens. What happens, go to, go to Tanzania with me. Go over there, go to some of these places and start to minister to people who have less than you or seem to have no hope. Life has dealt them a bad deal. And listen, you will get stirred up in love. And that's what we wanna do as a body of Christ, stir you up to love and to do good works. Do more for people. And he finishes it up this way. He says, and not neglecting to meet together. Don't neglect this gathering, and don't neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some. Some of you have gotten that habit, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And what he is saying here, look at the church as not what you can get from the church, but what we can contribute to the church. Well, how can you contribute to the mission of the local church? What can you do to get involved in the local mission. Hey, listen, it is difficult to serve one another sitting at home on the couch. It's very difficult to serve and minister to one another when you're not present with the body 
of Christ. Because when you're present with the body of Christ, there are plenty of people, plenty of opportunities for you to serve one another, and you can give attention to one another. And we can have the encouragement to stay faithful. So bottom line is this. This is all I want you to write down today. If you want to experience the most benefit from the church, engage yourself more fully in the mission of the church. Now, we'll just close with this. Let's just say, for instance, that you had a membership at the YMCA for your whole family. And the reason you got the membership to the YMCA is because they have a pool over there. They have a gymnasium that your kids can play basketball or volleyball or whatever in there. They have a soccer field that's available to you so the kids can play some soccer. They have a weightlifting and they have a trainer. They have all of those things that are available to you. So you run on down there as soon as the kids are old enough to use it because you know there's a benefit to it. And you sign up and you, and you get become a member of the YMCA. And then we run across each other months later and I go, hey, how's that membership to the YMCA going? Oh man, we love being a member of the Y. Let me just tell you what all they have to offer over there. And you start going down the list and I go, well, how much of that are you doing? Oh, I don't ever go. Why don't you? Oh, it's just nice to say I have a membership there because I know that it's beneficial to have a membership at the YMCA. But if you never go and you never reap the benefits of it, it does you no good. And let me tell you, the church is better than the YMCA, amen? Come on, the church is better than the YMCA because we're looking after your spiritual growth and we want you to be more engaged. And the only way you're gonna fully benefit from the mission of the church is to involve yourself more in the mission of the church. And so get engaged. And over the next few weeks, that's what we're gonna talk about. Ways that you can get involved. Ways that you can become more engaged. Whether you're a member of this church or another church, your involvement is important. As a matter of fact, it's what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to be involved in the church that he died for. And so that's it. So a couple of things for you to think about. What have you gained from the community of faith? Think about that. What, do you con- what, are, you con- what are you contributing to the community of faith? I wish I could type. Um, will you consider taking a more active role in the community of faith? And how will you do that? Hopefully we can answer some of those questions over the next few weeks. But let's stand together. And today, if you've never committed your life to Christ, to following Jesus who died for you, who rose again, who lives in heaven, just waiting to come back to get you, today would be a great day for you to commit your life to following him. Tom and I would love to meet you down here in the front, or we can meet you back in the guest VIP room right after this. If you're ready to get more fully engaged, get in touch with us, and you would love to talk to you. You can meet us back there in the guest VIP room as well or meet us down here. Father, we love you and we're so thankful for the church. I love charity and God, I know for a fact you love this church or you wouldn't have died for us. And so my prayer is that you will help us all to become more engaged in this local community and so that we can be unified around the mission to lead people to know Christ and to grow in their relationship with him. And it's in his name we pray, amen.